This is Talk of the Town on Magic 590 AM, also heard on 100.5 FM. I'm Bob Cudmore. Joining us is Chris Churchill, Albany Times Union columnist. Chris Churchill started at the Times Union about 10 years ago, became a columnist five years ago. I'd like to talk with you first about the devastating fire in Cohoes late last week. You ended your uh, column on the on the fire by saying Cohoes uh, doesn't quit. It, it never has. Can you talk about your experiences covering the Cohoes fire? Sure, sure. I mean, it, uh, you know, it was uh, it was a surreal, surreal scene. And, um, you know, I was in the newsroom when we started to get some of the fire, some of the photos in. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you could tell pretty quickly that it wasn't going to be an ordinary fire, that this, that, you know, that it was burning with an, an incredible intensity and, and really devouring buildings in a way that you don't normally see. Um, what wasn't what wasn't immediately obvious though was how much uh, the wind would carry the fire not only across Remsen Street, which is essentially the main street in Cohoes, but also you know to buildings that are blocks away, including you know Smith's, the popular restaurant, and a, mm. and a vacant church that's a pretty significant distance away. It was it was remarkable, really remarkable. And the wind and and fires, it's really something. I grew up in uh, Amsterdam, New York, which is a mill town like, or former mill town like uh, Cohoes. I remember they, reading in history, there were, or recent history even, there have been, you know, mill fires there, fires in uh, other downtown buildings, and the uh, this uh, burning ember can travel some distance. Yeah, yeah. This this The church I was talking about is a gigantic, vacant building, which... I would guess it's probably about a half mile from where the fire fire started, and um, apparently what happened is this uh, ember got caught up in the wind, traveled traveled over to the church, landed on the roof, and, and ignited some burning leaves or some leaves uh, on the top of the church, which makes you realize that as bad as the fire was, it could have been much 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 worse if that if that church had gone up on a windy day, or if some of the other buildings mm-hmm. like Smith Tavern, you know, some of the buildings that were damaged by the uh, the fire. If they had been more severely damaged, it could have it could have been much much worse for Cohoes. There, there weren't there were some injuries, like the, the firefighters, but yeah, you know, and that's another thing. I mean, it's amazing nobody was killed. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I guess that's that's the benefit of having. <laughs> if you have to have a fire, maybe in the middle of the afternoon is the time to do it instead of you know the middle of the night when everybody's asleep. Because mm-hmm. yeah, you know, the fire like that when when there's nobody who's really seriously injured, that's. That's something remarkable too. Yeah, and the fire, you know, was apparently arson, or so it is reported. And and, and it was, but it was accidental. Yeah, yeah, it was a. I mean, it's it's hard. You don't want to be too hard on the guy, but it's one of those "what in the world were you thinking" kind of things. You know, he apparently was had started a fire in the backyard. He was doing some sort of. Uh, metalsmithing or something, something he'd seen in a TV show yeah, to and, make a sword. Yeah, you know, a bla- you know, yeah, to, which is. Uh, you know, on a windy day, uh, it's just, it's, like I said, you don't want to be too hard on the guy. I'm sure he feels terrible. But on the other hand, it's it's some sort of negligence, that's for sure. Do you think the uh, fire department was prepared for a fire like this? or It's hard to know. I mean, it's hard to know. There There was a report today, and there's a city councilman in the city who's making kind of a big, a big deal of the fact that the city did not have a working ladder truck at the time of the fire. That does seem like a pretty significant problem when you're talking about a dense old city where fire, you know, with a, a real vulnerability to, to fires and also high rise buildings. I mean, if you don't have a working ladder truck and there's a fire on the 10th floor of a 
of a senior, you know, building or something. I don't know how, I don't know how you deal with that. It's, um, so that, is, that is a question. And you, you told me before that you were there and you saw some damage being done to one of the a mutual aid fire trucks. You know, fire trucks came in from a wider area. Than yeah. Well, that, yeah, it speaks to how hot and how intense the fire was. Um, there was a fire truck. I was standing next to a fire truck from the Waterville Arsenal and its windshield was melted. Um, which I'd never seen before. I mean, that, that, and you could see the you know melted siding on on buildings or quite a distance from the fire. It was it was a really really hot intense fire. Mm. I mean that is a a good thing, especially if Cohoes doesn't have a ladder truck that other uh, jurisdictions respond mutual aid. Right? Yeah, I know. Yeah, and that, and that was one of the things that was remarkable. And and you know you saw um, uh, fire departments from all around the region there. I mean. You know, somebody told me that if it hadn't been for the Manans Volunteer Fire Department, that church I was referring to would have gone up. I mean, mm-hmm. they were the ones who were there to put that out. Mm-hmm. You know, so on the one hand, it's it's just a it was it's a great example of regional cooperation. Mm-hmm. But um, I think there are questions to be asked about that that ladder truck and why it was out of service. Mm-hmm. And and there was damage to more than one. I mean, you saw damage to one of the. Uh, mutual aid trucks, but I believe the paper reported on another one. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, again, it's about how intense that fire was. Things were, you know, trucks tires were melting. Trucks, you know, it it, it was an expensive fire. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was interested to read in your column also that uh, Cohoes has its population has shrunk from what it used to be back in the when the textile mills were running full tilt. Yeah. But it the population's on the rise again. If yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean it, that's one of the things that, that's really great about Cohoes. It's it's a city. You know, you're from Amsterdam. I know that it, there's some similarities there. These these mill towns that have taken taken some punches over the years, but Cohoes in particular just seems very resilient. You mm-hmm. know, whenever I go to Cohoes, I see people who, or I meet people who have lived there for three or four generations, and they're devoted to the city and loyal to the city. And that population growth is really about. They've really started to take advantage of their riverfront. Mm-hmm. And build some apartment complexes along the river, and that seems to really be well. The, it's the, ironic yeah. with the Amsterdam uh, comparison, if you will, that the developers Uri Kaufman, who uh, developed uh, the Harmony Mills, yeah. the, the big textile mills, into into uh, condos, I believe, or apartments or both. And he tried to get such a project going in Amsterdam in a vacant mill building, but the uh, city council didn't go along with it, and ultimately that building was was torn down. Of course, yeah. it was a different situation. And that seems like a so, foolish decision, though. Yeah. I mean, those the those. I mean, the w- one thing about those mill buildings is that they are solidly built. And they, I've been in the Harmony Mills complex, and the apartments are really beautiful. I mean, you have those big, huge windows, and uh, it overlooks the falls and mm-hmm. goes. It, it's been a, a big success. How much that's translated into you know other things for the city is it doesn't seem. I mean, that I think when that place opened, they they had thought that they would you know have that all the people who live there would be strolling downtown on Remsen Street every Friday night, and that that doesn't really seem mm, to have happened. No, they seem they go home, park, and then you know go to their apartments. But again, to get back to the end of your column, uh, you're you got a sense from the oh people who were there that well they're going to come back. I mean, this is going to be yeah yeah this is something yeah. I, the the mayor there is is a pretty controversial yeah, figure, Mayor, mayor Sean Morris. Yeah. Right. He, you know, one of the things that he's done right is he has really, really stressed economic development. 
they'll never get those old buildings back. But on the other hand, it does open up as a development site in the heart of the downtown. And and also another man has continued. Um, Ron Canistrari used to be the assembly member from uh, Cohoes. And now there's another one who's from Cohoes, uh, John McDonald, and and he's a businessman in right. Cohoes, right? He right. has a pharmacy, right? And both have ties to the to the last devastating fire in uh, Cohoes, which was in 1988. Ron Kanishori was a mayor then, and I talked to him, and he you know he reminisced, not reminisced, he he said that this fire brings back all the bad memories from that fire. Mm. And uh, John McDonald, of course, owns Maris Pharmacy, which was one of the businesses destroyed by that 1988 fire, and they rebuilt. Mm-hmm. Which, to their credit, I mean, it would have probably would have been easy at that time just to walk away from the city and just you know say this is a declining mill town. Or, you know, we don't we're not going to do we're not going to be here anymore. But they didn't. They rebuilt, and um, you know that helped the city recover from that '88 fire pretty significantly. Um, we've been talking about the uh, fire in Cohoes. Want to change to uh, other topics? Uh, you did a column, which actually I uh, I thought was quite moving, and I've seen other people do this coverage. And it doesn't seem like it's happening here or happening in our state. But you always hear about the southern border. That's where President Trump wants to build a wall. Mm -hmm. But the northern border, the border with Canada, has become a busy place recently because of people going the other way from what we expect and people coming to America. These are people leaving America. These are migrants who are afraid they're going to be deported back to their native lands. That's right. Many are Haitian. And uh, so Quebec is a draw for for them because they speak French. Um, but yeah, up up uh, north of Plattsburgh, in the town, little teeny town town of Champlain, there's a road, just a narrow, out of the way road that for some reason has been a, become a place where migrants are arriving to leave the country. And I think there's been 15,000 this year who've left on this road. 15,000 there. Yeah. I guess that's one thing that I'm curious, why is in that place? Are there other little roads uh, around no, the border? No, you know, it's one of those weird things. I think that the word has spread about this road, that it's a good place to, to go. Cross. Yeah. And I think people are reading about it online or it's spreading via word of mouth and people are coming from all over the country to go to this little tiny road. But it's an unusual situation. It's, they don't want to go to a normal border crossing. Mm-hmm. Because no. if they go to a normal border crossing, they'll just be turned away. You have to enter the country illegally to get arrested, and then you can apply for refugee status. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, they're, it's actually a little, like it's a little game that they play and the Canadian government plays because the Canadian government knows people are arriving there at this point, and they've set up tents, mm-hmm. and they have all sorts of officials there to process the people when they come through. But you have to, get arre- you have to enter the country illegally to get arrested, and then you can go start, start apply for apply to be um, a for asylum. So they go there to get arrested in Canada. Right. In a sense. Yeah. Um, did, did you, cr- and they, at- you know, they could do that anywhere, but they don't want to just be wandering an empty field somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, for days and days. <laughs> they no, want to be, right. they want to be arrested quickly. So they and, go to this place. And yeah. is the Canadian government set up with some, uh, like a refugee camp yeah. there? Yeah. And they actually look like refugee camps. It's remarkable. It really, it's, it's, if I was there over the summer, and if you didn't know any better, you would think you were in a, a third world country. Mm. Yeah. So you you crossed over to the other side as well. I mean, to look at the camp, I, you, I could mean, s- yeah. you could or you see, could see we, it from you could America. see some of some of it from this side of the border. And there are photos. Mm-hmm. It's hard to get into the camps. They don't allow journalists in without you know some really. Some, huh. Yeah, I'm sure they would if I went through the you know <laughs> the proper channels. But when you're just arriving mm-hmm. out of the blue, they don't. Yeah. yeah. 
And were you, didn't you write about a woman who's like the last person yeah. they, a lot of them see? And yeah, there's a woman who shows up there every day. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially now that it's getting colder. A lot of these people are from Florida, California, and they don't they're not prepared for the climate at all. So she goes, she brings them, you know, hats and coats and um, you know some food. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, she's in many cases she's the last American that these that these people see. You know, it's it's a weird situation. And every, whenever I write a column about the situation up there, everybody assumes that these are illegal immigrants, which isn't necessarily the case. Really? Um, most of them uh, are here or are allowed. We don't know how they all got here. Some of them came here legally. Some of them probably overstayed visas. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've been allowed to stay under this kind of TPS status, this temporary protected status, mm-hmm. uh, because after the earthquake in 2010, uh, the Obama administration decided that it wasn't going to try to send people back to that situation. Mm-hmm. The Trump administration has signaled that, well, has, has said that the TPS status will end next year. So that's kind of what's fueling the the exodus, at least among the Haitian population. Not everybody there is Haitian, but mm-hmm. but they're not in danger of being deported right away, or is it, but they don't want to take a chance. They're not. They? No, they're not. <clears throat> but. Um, well, it depends on the situation, you okay. know. Some of them, some of them certainly fear that they're in danger of being deported right away. But the TPS status doesn't end until next year. We're talking with Chris Churchill, columnist for the Times Union. Let's come back to the Capital District and uh, politics, if you will. I, I did get a kick out of your column where you had uh, phony questions <laughs> from uh, readers uh, like Roy L. Payne. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, could have been Bob L. Payne. I'm kind of well. Anyway. Um, <laughs> The question that was asked there wasn't asked, but you asked it. And, in fact, I asked her about it. Uh, Kathy Sheehan, the mayor of Albany, was on national TV. Mm-hmm. Was there a, you know, a bigger picture here? Is, you know, it seems – what's interesting to me is, is this I mean she's grooming herself to, you know, for higher office? That's what everybody seems to think. And, I mean, that, it's hard not to suspect that, not only because she's appearing on national TV – also, because when she ran for mayor, I mean, she was really not in any danger of losing, but spent an awful lot of money on television ads that didn't – television ads don't target people who live in Albany. When you buy a TV ad, yes. you know, you're, that ad's being seen all across the region. And it's a lot of money to spend for advertising that doesn't really target the, the actual voter. So it's, you know, it's a pretty good tactic for raising your name recognition around the region. And it, it led – it leads – me and other people to think that she might be, might be eyeing Paul Tonko's seat um, whenever he's ready to retire. Right, and I, you know, couched it that way and asked her, and she said, "Oh, I'm sure he's in, going to be in office for many more years to come." Yeah, maybe he will be. I mean, and she, you know, she's she's doesn't have to hurry. Right. You know, she, but maybe also the, the possibility she might know that he's, you know, getting close to thinking about retirement. Who knows? consideration. Just have a minute or so left. Let me go to the top. Uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo, is uh, he going to survive? Uh, will he uh, get reelected? He doesn't seem to have an opponent. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, I think, I do think there's a vulnerability, there, a vulnerability there if he ever got a credible opponent, but so far no one has stepped forward. Mm. And with this uh, tax bill getting passed down in Washington, which is apparently going to hurt New York State, but hurt it be, in part, be, at least in part, because of 
the high taxes which people pay here, yeah. will that be something they'll, they'll use against Cuomo? I don't know if they'll use it against Cuomo or if they'll hold it against the, the the Republican lawmakers who are part of passing it. It's hard to, you know, Cuomo's making kind of a strange argument. On the one hand, he's he's kind of admitting that our taxes are too high and that that's the reason, we're talking about the SALT deduction, that that's mm-hmm. the reason New York State will be hammered so much by this tax policy change. But, um, you know, he he's blaming the GOP congressmen and, and it's, it, who knows who knows who will be uh, ultimately be blamed for that. You've been listening to Talk of the Town on Magic 590, also heard on 100.5 FM. Our guest, Chris Churchill, Albany Times Union columnist. Next week on Talk of the Town, our guest will be Albany County Sheriff Craig Apple. I'm Bob Cudmore.